Lights, camera, action. I believe in two things, discipline and the Bible. Here you'll receive both of those. Put your trust in the Lord. Your ass belongs to me. Welcome to Shawshank and the Movie Madness podcast, Keenan. I'm not sure about that, can you? <laughs> did, you well, did you like it? Did you, did, 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 oh, hang on, did you, hang on. We're not finished. Oh, okay. The matchup we'll be getting into this week is 1994's The Shawshank Redemption versus 2004's Starsky and Hutch. You know, Keenan, sometimes it makes me sad. Sean, TK and Harper being gone. I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright, and when they fly away, the part of you that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice. But still, the place you live in is that much more drab and empty that they're gone. I guess I just miss my friends. Sean, how is it going? <laughs> yeah, all good, all good. All the better for hearing that, I'm sure. For for sure. No offence, Keenan, that I didn't include you in that, but you haven't flown away. I'm not going to lie, it's hard not to take offence to that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it, really, it really is. I, 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 I don't know what you want from me. But you've not flown away. It's an odd way to start out a pod. Um, Maybe you are meant to be caged, is what I'm saying. Yeah, not making any better. We'll move on. We do have some news of the week this week. It's been a couple of weeks where nothing much has happened. But good news for you, Keenan. Paranormal Activity 8 is being targeted for a 2023 release. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off, there's seven of them. Yeah, I can't believe it either, but there is. I thought they stopped at four. No, the creator of the first one's actually come out recently and gone, this needs to stop now. I saw the last one. This needs to stop. These are, uh, Some of them have just got to be like straight to streaming. Or, I was going to say straight to video, but, but they've just got to be like straight to DVD release. So I think, These can't be banged in cinemas. I know um, Catherine Newton did one. If you don't know who she is, you'd recognise her face. Um, she did one just as she was kind of blowing up. But other than that, I don't really know any of the others. They're all called ones like the Shook One, the Cursed, and things like that. The Shook One. I've told you, the the last one I saw, there was some awful lads in front cocking their legs up and farting in the cinema during it, and that probably symbolised where I was with the franchise. And we won't go into Sean's story about the first one again. I watched the first one. That's the only one I've ever seen. You don't watch the second one with the demon pool cleaner? No, I watched the first one. I thought it was fucking dreadful. It was so boring. Scared the shit out of me, that first one. Oh, uh, happens? A couple of doors slam. I like, oh, that's that's I'm it. not a horror movie guy. Nor me. Uh, Nor me. Batgirl directors are shocked by the decision to scrap the $90 million film. Have you seen the uproar about this? No, but they filmed? They can't have filmed it in Bond. It's they, they've literally completed it and then said, we're not putting this out. So, it's in post-production old. and then so decided not to. And they've got Michael... Michael I'm pretty sure Michael Keaton is uh, Batman in it. 
it's another one of these multiverse films. Okay. It's, but um, especially when you consider every week you've got an Ezra Miller headline about some mental shit he's done, and still that the Flash film hasn't been cancelled, this must be pretty bad. I'm surprised with cinemas or studios the way they are that they're willing to write off 90 mil. Well, Which is essentially what you're doing. If you make back 10, if it goes into cinema, it bombs and they make 10. Which I think it's a, it's a film related to Batman, so it'll make more. But you say it makes 10, you, you're actually in a better position. No, I mean, you're probably distributing costs and so on, but you're probably going to end up in a better place than you are just by bombing it. I actually think if you put it out now, it's the best marketing you've had for a DC-related film in years because people are saying you can't scrap this and it probably does decent. Do you reckon? I I think you make a good point. My first question of the week for you is in post-production, we've got to think, a lot of these shit films we watch, they know how bad they are. So are you more for everyone involved saying, look, the world doesn't need to see how bad this is and canning it, or should they put it out and if we want to watch said shit film, we'll watch it? I think once you've made it, put it out. Is the issue then they're charging money for it? Or do you not expect them to have much of a... That's not in their conscience anyway. It's more spending on the marketing budget, isn't it? They're probably thinking if we can save 30 mil. I get what you're saying. Well, I I think now, like you say, now that they've done this, can probably just flog it out. Yeah. Don't see it. Uh, there is a Pac-Man live-action adaption in the works. Explain to me how that's going to work. I don't know. I thought they did this <laughs> with the Pixels film with Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it's a cartoon, but that was actually live-action as well. Well, fucking. Well, I, I guess it's it. going to be like where they said it was like a live-action Lion King, and still the whole film was like CGI. So I... yeah. I don't know. It's... Do we need a Pac-Man film? I don't think we do. I think the fact that the Sonic one's been so successful is just giving them ideas. Hey, Spyro the Dragon. Where's that? Exactly. Where's Crash Bandicoot? Yeah, great shot. Uh, Edgar Wright thinks Aubrey Plaza should be the new Lara Croft. Thoughts? Don't think he should be very good at it. I thought Isn't we were uh, Aubrey Plaza fans after Dirty Grandpa on here. We yeah. are. That's irrelevant to her I think she won female MVP the one year, so I mean... Yeah, but again, how much of that is actually based on her acting ability? As opposed <laughs> he to was good in Dirty dancing. Grandpa. She's good, she's good in every film I've seen her in, but do you think she can play Lara Croft? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I disagree. Well, I'll get your take on this one as well. So uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who played Gus Fring in Breaking Bad, is in talks with Marvel Studios about playing Professor X. Yeah, he can do that. Mm. He can do that. He can adapt. I think he can adapt the quiet, silent type. Instead of wanting to murder people, wants to help people. Because I just I'd, don't think Aubrey Plaza is a dark enough. Can I'd quite like to see him as a Magneto. <laughs> Yeah, sir. Not a bad shout. But anyway, that is your news of the week. Let's move on to 1994's The Shawshank Redemption, the highest rated, most voted for film in IMDb history. So technically, this is voted the the best film of all time. I won't ask your opinion on that, but we'll be getting very deep into it. 
hereby order you to serve two life sentences back to back. Behind the walls of Shawshank Prison. It's my life! That's what it stands for! stop a man from dreaming there's something inside they can't touch sometimes you can't stop him at all Tim robbins morgan freeman the shawshank redemption rated r at select theaters september 23rd the synopsis two imprisoned men bond over a number of years finding solace and eventual redemption through acts of common decency Keenan, easiest question I'll ask you this week. What do you think the critics thought of this one? Well, you just answered that, mate, haven't you? <laughs> a masterclass in pretty much every category. An incredible script, wonderful direction, gorgeous score, and phenomenal performances by Freeman and Robbins. Cinema doesn't get any better than this. Creates a stellar vision that teaches, challenges, inspires, and evokes a wide array of emotions and thoughts. In the lead roles, both Robbins and Freeman are outstanding, layering their performances with snippets of individuality. Their small, daily sustenances and minor triumphs are wonderfully inspiring. Top-notch performances, exceptional cinematography, and masterful direction combine to make this film something special indeed. And finally, characters worth caring about and who actually learn something about themselves as the film progresses. So pretty much top marks all around. As always, we'll start with the casting here, and there are some very interesting ones for this, and could have been a very 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 different film so clint eastwood harrison ford paul newman gene hackman robert redford and robert duvall were considered for the part of red in yeah, the original you know, novel go on yeah so i was gonna say you know in the original in the book sorry he's a he's an irish bloke yeah middle-aged white irishman with graying red hair but uh, director Frank Darabon always had Morgan Freeman in mind for the role because of his authoritative presence, demeanour and deep voice. So that's why they kept in there Red saying, maybe it's because I'm Irish when he's asked about his nickname, just as a kind of a nod to the text. Mm-hmm. A more fun one, John Favreau auditioned for the role of Fatass. He later told Empire Magazine that this was the worst audition he ever did and it encouraged him to try and lose weight. He did, and then made swingers. That's the best of both worlds. And... Yeah, we don't need to see him as, as that bloke, do we? <laughs> no, not really. Maybe if he gets that role, we don't get swingers. And... Yeah. Uh, Jeff Bridges, Tom Hanks, Kevin Costner, Tom Cruise, Matthew Broderick, Nicolas Cage, Johnny Depp, and Charlie Sheen were all considered for the part of Andy. Tom Hanks turned it down because he was committed to Forrest Gump. Not a bad choice. Tom Cruise actually got as far as table reads and then rejected it himself because he felt the director was too inexperienced. Wow. Matthew Broderick as well. I can't imagine him in this role. I'm so glad it wasn't Cage or Johnny Depp or Charlie Sheen. Genuinely, I think... If we were to average it, one film every three weeks has Nicolas Cage linked to the lead role. Yeah. 
So his actor was his his agent was like getting him in the conversation and then just shitting out every time when trying to land in the role. I reckon Cruz pops up one in four. Yeah, he was getting about. He was he gets he I think he was just offering him everything. There was like a ten a ten year stretch where if they needed a bloke, they would try to get any chance Tom Cruise. <laughs> Uh, the role of Tommy was actually intended for Brad Pitt, who instead played the lead role in Interview with a Vampire, blew up a bit too much, and so was given so many offers that he turned down this small one. Tom Cruise also in Interview with a Vampire. Yep. James Gandolfini auditioned for the role of Boggs. He was offered it, but eventually decided not to take the role. He did True Romance instead. Mm. I don't know. Not sure on that one. I do really like him in True Romance, but I do think he would have made a good box. You've got to think he could do both, but yeah. which I know he goes on to obviously play one of the, I guess, technically meanest guys in TV history, but maybe he didn't want to be typecast because that was the worry when he did True Romance, wasn't it? And that was even the first kind of role he did of the kind. Yeah. I mean, like you say, five years later, he set us into it, didn't he? Yeah. But that's more. There's, there's more. Uh, we get more depth to humanity yeah. to that character. Yeah. Uh, and just, I just wrote down. Good to see Richie April. <laughs> because he's still got such a mean face. Yeah, he just looks horrible, doesn't he? Uh, but good to see him nonetheless. Um, in terms of the preparation for this role. Tim Robbins actually spent some time in solitary confinement. He has to be locked in there to get a feel for it, uh, although he knew his experience wouldn't be the same because it was voluntary. Now, I don't have the actual length of time he spent in there, but I'll repeat it again because I'm sure you have listened to the podcast me and TK did on the next three days. Elizabeth Banks asked to be locked in a cell before she did the film, and she lasted less than a minute after making a big thing of it. So I would hope that Tim Robbins actually lasted a bit longer than that. What do you mean less than a minute? She has to be released less than a minute in. I don't like... Oh, that's, just, that's just a fucking waste. <laughs> At that I point, you I say, just that, stay in there. I presume they haven't slung her in with eight other women. Who no, no, no. Her. They found an empty cell and were like, hey, yeah. they're telling me you can't sit, you can't sit for a minute. Apparently not. But did she uh, did she watch Face Off though and got shook that that could happen? <laughs> and then she never gets out. What they put her on some underground sea bunker because, because that's like another level, if so. <laughs> and then while she's asleep, they do the operation and switch it around. Blimey. What, fuck, what legitimate? What legitimately? What a waste of everyone's fucking time. I thought you were about to go at Sean there. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Uh, I'm glad to have shoot back. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. Frank Darabont watched good. Frank Darabont watched Goodfellas every Sunday while shooting this film. He says he drew real inspiration from it on using the voiceover narration and showing the passage of time. Yeah, I mean it's a great film. Some might say the best ever. Maybe Stephen King said that his original novella was a culmination of all the memories he had from watching prison movies when he was a child. I did not know this was a Stephen King 
novel until I started doing the research afterwards. Really, it really yeah. spun me because you just associate him with horror films, don't you? No, it's, uh, uh, what's it actually called? It's the short. It's the Shawshank Redemption, Redemption, and then it's um, like two actresses' names, but oh, they thought yes. people would think it was a biopic if they uh, left that in. With, uh, Nazi Hayworth, something. Yeah, oh, and Rita Hayworth. Hayworth yeah. It's one of the, uh, one of the posters of Rita Hayworth. Because they told a story where an agent phoned up trying to sell that their supermodel client was perfect for the role of her in this film and said, I love the script. It's my favorite. I think this character is great. And obviously that character isn't even in the film. So they were lying and uh, she doesn't get a part in the film, obviously. You're the agent. You take a gamble, don't you? They've got, they, oh. they literally have nothing to lose. You could read the script. It probably wouldn't take you too long. That's not really for the agent, though, is it, mate? I saw someone say it was interesting that Stephen King is so closely associated with horror, but in terms of his film adaptions, the most successful ones have been the ones that are opposite to that. When you look at Misery, Stand By Me, The Green Mile, Shawshank, obviously. Misery, it's not horror, but it, it tries to edge that it's, way. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a gap between the two. Yeah, uh, I think that diagram would include it. Yeah, the green mile probably fits in the same interlock. Then, if you want to put like that in the Venn diagram, it probably sits somewhere in the middle as well. He says this is his favourite of all the adaptions. He tends to hate the adaptions of his books. Imagine being one of the directors reading that. <laughs> we know he gave the rights for this film for free, just because it was his friend. Yeah. He was paid. He was paid five thousand dollars in a check, and he returned the check to the director and said, "Keep this for if you ever, if you ever need bail money." And he wouldn't. He wouldn't take a penny for it. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's easy to do that. When I imagine it's fairly easy to do that when you're Stephen King. Yeah. Five grand. I mean, I doubt I even. I doubt I even touches the ocean. Touches a drop in the ocean. So. This was Morgan Freeman's first time narrating a film, and by his own admission, this then jumpstarts that element of his career, which has just raised his popularity even further. What they did was they sent him to a studio, and they ultimately don't use these recordings, but he records all of the voiceovers, and they actually play them on set to dictate the rhythm of each scene and just set the tone for everyone beforehand. So that's quite a nice move for a, for a new director as well. That was quite a nice thing to do. Mm. Interesting. And so my question, which I think you will like today, Keenan, which film has the best narration of all time? Oof. I have no idea. I've got some examples. A casino, which we'll be doing next week. Yeah, the, the voiceover in Goodfellas is better. Goodfellas. Well. The voiceover in Goodfellas beats the voiceover in Casino. Or El De Niro does do a good job in Casino. Shawshank, obviously. Uh, American Psycho, which we've done on here. Wolf of Wall Street. Do like do like Wolf Street for voiceover, to be fair. Yeah, Goodfellas, Shawshank would probably be my final of those. Yeah, very similar, isn't it? They, yeah. I do like the, the switching of, especially Casino and Goodfellas, the switching of who does the voiceover. I'm always quite a fan of that. And in terms of uh, The Hangover is the one we always reference in the kind of betting on yourself element of Hollywood. 
But this yeah. one, uh, Rob Reiner, who directs Misery and This Is Spinal Tap and so much more, he loved the script so much and he offered $2.5 million for the rights to it so he could direct it. And he offered to fund any future film that Darabon wanted to do. Um, he was going to have Harrison Ford and Tom Cruise playing Red and Andy, respectively. I think we get a better version this way. Yeah, that that one would have made more money, but this one would have been better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but Darabont yeah. considered that he could do something really great with this, and so he took a pay cut, in fact, in order to be able to direct this himself, and he goes on to make a masterpiece. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I, I do like that. I'm a big fan. Now, I wanted to speak about several scenes as we go through the film. And the first one that I thought was worth talking about was the kind of new pig's entrance, as they call it. And I guess the first conversation that you get between Red and Andy. Um, the character of Fat Ass that, we, that we've referenced, it could have been John Favreau. It's such a wild one because ultimately he's a laughing stock to everyone else involved. But everyone's had that thought of how they would deal with prison if they were to go inside. I mean, we've had the conversation on here, I believe. That is the worst case scenario that everyone would dread that you just snap on your first day in. Now, I won't ask you how you deal with it. I'm assuming none of the three of us are attempting the walk in and punch the hardest guy you see and really just make a mark. (laughs) Instead, we're probably going for the Andy. Yeah. Head down, say nothing. And hope for the best. Correct. Yeah, You just got to get by in these kind of situations. Yeah, because the only time really that I looked away from uh, the screen in this, because... I really was captivated by it. And I think it was to message maybe Sean to say that I'd just stuck the film on for the first time. And I looked up and I didn't see that it was a maggot that Brooks was asking to take from Andy for his bird. And I thought he was just asking for some of his food. And I know the big prison thing is you don't share your food. It it creates a bad impression and then people are going to be on you. And so I had this real tension of don't give him it when they're all looking. And then when I rewound, I saw that that wasn't quite what he was asking for so i thought he'd broken the number one rule after uh getting by getting through the first night yeah um i'm not really sure but not really sure what i'd be at in a in that situation touch wood touch my head it never comes to pass i think you could look intimidating enough screw your face up a bit i really can't yeah until until someone doesn't Fries matter you. looking at him. <laughs> yeah, and then he, I crumble. Confirmed. Because well, Hayward says to him, uh, hey, fat ass, talk to me, boy. I know you're there. I can hear you breathing. Don't you listen to these nitwits. You hear me? This place ain't so bad. I tell you what, I'll introduce you around, make you feel right at home. I know, I know a couple of big old bull queers that just love to make your acquaintance, especially that big, white, mushy butt of yours. <laughs> Of any breaks and says, I don't belong here. I want to go home. Oh, you don't understand. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm I was st- thinking that when when I watched a few, I've said I've watched it fully again. I watched it so many times, but I watched a couple of clips before this. I was thinking, like, 
could I just I think I would just be able to ignore it. I wouldn't have broke at the point that he did. If Hayward had kept going and going, then eventually <laughs> break. But he did go early. The the one inmate that responds, me neither. They run this place like a fucking prison. <laughs> and he says, I don't belong here. I want to go home. I want my mother. And another prisoner says, I had your mother. She wasn't that great. <laughs> he's just getting it from all angles already. Yeah. And then he's obviously called out of his cell and just battered. The guard never just gives someone one clip. No, they're in. They're all in all the time. <clears throat> is he? I mean, ultimately, is 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 he better off? Is Fatas actually better off for what well, happened? The fact he's beaten this bad. The only other prisoner that we know is beaten that bad is Boggs, and he doesn't return because he's in a wheelchair. So I have to think Fatas is at least in a position where he can no longer be in the prison. So I guess we don't know just how bad it could be. He could have been done selfed. Yeah, he he could have been. I was thinking, I didn't know if they said that he was dead. Did they not confirm that he's dead? Well, if they did, then maybe he is better off because he was not lasting in there. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Like Andy's straight-faced in... He still gets it. Now, for everything that all the notes I have taken, unless any of you want to, I wasn't going to go too in-depth on Andy versus the sisters, as they're called. I didn't really think we needed too much of a breakdown there. I think it's very quick thinking. It's good thinking from him, isn't it? I'm on about him being assaulted constantly, that we don't need to break down those scenes. <laughs> no, not overly. No, no. No. Um, extra details from the book that I did take down um, although it's never directly stated in the film Brooks is in prison for allegedly murdering his wife and daughter after a losing streak at poker yeah makes it a lot darker doesn't it been tilted been tilted that bad yeah you feel a little bit less sympathy for your man after that don't you yeah imagine him in that Molly's game one and in the book, Red's life term is not because of a botched robbery turned fatal shooting, but for murdering his wife by disabling her brakes, which accidentally killed a neighbour and a child as well. Yeah, also changes how you look at the character. Yeah, he was going to collect the, the life insurance money. Yeah. So that's what you just said there is important, because do you think that's why they don't include that? Because it would have been so easy to do so. I think so. I, I I think it has to. I expect more so with Brooks, obviously, with the way it, way it runs out. If you find out that that's what he's about, I think it does ultimately change the ch- the child, especially. It does change how you feel. Like when he when he but Red he, kills a child as well. Yeah, but he's a more integral part of the film. So that's what I mean. Do you not think it's more important that we don't know that about him because uh, we're supposed not, to have he's some not played for anywhere near as sympathetic uh, he's not played it as anywhere near as sympathetic sympathetic character sorry but we also like can't the, be in a position where we gambit resent is, him the opening gambit is that he's useful that he, he's the boy basically so you but, take you, you take that out i do think it changes because he's still he's still that guy but by the end of the film we're still we're rooting for him and andy are we still rooting for him the same way if we know that He's he's killed essentially two families. Yeah. 
I'm not saying the same way, but I think because of because what the angle you're trying to portray is different, I think the impact is somewhat mitigated. Whereas Brooks has played as a lovely old bloke, sort of knocks out a few books yeah. here and there, struggles to struggles to put some eggs in a bag, can't double bag it, and then well, turns in, doesn't it? No, Sean, Morgan Freeman's a charming guy. He's also in this film very upfront with how guilty he is. Can we uh, align ourselves with his character? Can Morgan Freeman charm us the same way if we do know he's murdered his wife and accidentally killed a neighbour and her child? How charming are you saying Morgan Freeman is? I think he is probably charming enough. I think you go in with there's a bit of scepticism, but I think eventually, if you see him enough, he wins you round and he charms you. Blimey. There we go. Um, the drinking the beers scene is really great. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's probably the best, possibly the best scene. Dufresne could definitely have approached this better. Do you trust your wife to a guy that you've seen kill someone <laughs> right in um, front of you is probably not your opener. No. But he, he sees an opening and he sees it, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I, I also, it was a very quick response from the guard that responds with, that's funny, you're going to look even funnier sucking my dick with no teeth. Jesus, that's a jump. Don't let them know the world they live in. Let them know the world they live in, and then, well, and then there's that. So I don't need to say it again. But it it's just so nicely shot. This moment where they do finally get their drinks. Um, you've got this voiceover of Red, where you just get there's some there's an extra bit of zip to his voice. The way it's scored, it's the way it's scored over the top of it as well. He says, and that's how it came to pass that on the second to last day of the job, the convict crew that tarred the plate factory roof in the spring of 49 wound up sitting in a row at 10 o'clock in the morning drinking icy cold Bohemia style beer, courtesy of the hardest screw that ever t- walked a turn at Shawshank State Prison. The colossal prick even managed to sound magnanimous. And the screen just fills the screen just fills with colour as the sun is beaming down on them in the background. As you said, you've got that score in the background. And Andy's just grinning behind them all. Even even knocks back the bit, even turns down the beer as well. Yes, that's for the that's for the lads for a great bloke. Yeah, and just the the moment of them bringing one over to him is just so symbolic of the fact that he finally does have someone that he can turn to in there and changes his his whole direction. Probably keeps their lives, mate. To be honest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's in there. He's in there for. He's due to be in there for a long stretch. If this is that effect that stops us, that causes what happens to Boggs and make, makes his ride a little bit easier, isn't it? But without that, you, you can't think he'd be doing a long stretch of getting taken into that water once a week. No. Is there anything worse you can do in a film than what Boggs does here? Purely because we hate the guard already. And yet we have literally zero sympathy at all for the fact that Boggs is never going to walk again in his life. Is that just the quickest way to make you hate a character on screen? 
or rape. Yeah, pretty much. Always looks worse in prison as well. I know that's a terrible thing to say, but that's that's what you're thinking of. Well, I guess it's even more so that, this is a grim one to say, but we can relate to it somewhat more, which is pretty horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's closer to your wheelhouse. I hope mean, it's, uh, uh, it's nowhere near my wheelhouse. Might be in Sean's wheelhouse. But it's yeah, and that, that's what it is. But yeah, it's there, there's just it, may, it makes you possibly as soon as you you put that on a character, they're essentially the worst thing to walk the earth. No, yeah, a big thing with this film was the difference between the theatrical and the rental release. Now, despite the film's box office failure, Warner Brothers, I mean, they must have had a pint of brave or something. They shipped 320,000 copies to U.S. video stores, which a spokesman for the film admitted afterwards was completely out of whack with the film's performance in theaters. It then goes on to become the most rented video of 95 and one of the highest grossing video rentals of all time. It initially made 18 million in the box office, which couldn't even cover the cost of production. It has an extra 10 million after the Oscar nominations, but it's still deemed to be a box office failure. Now, Morgan Freeman cited the film's difficult name as a major reason for this, because back then there was no internet to speak of, and so word of mouth played a much bigger role in any film's success. And for one, Shawshank Redemption doesn't easily tell you what it is, and it just doesn't roll off the tongue. And if you wanted yeah. a point of if you wanted a point of comparison, I looked at the top ten highest uh, bo- films in the box office for that year, and it's quite you can see the difference: Lion King, Forrest Gump, True Lies, Santa Claus, Flintstones, Speed, The Mask. Mrs. Doubtfire, an interview with a vampire, they pretty much all tell you exactly what they are on the face of them. Does Mrs. Doubtfire? I guess Mrs. Doubtfire at least rolls off the tongue more than the Shawshank Redemption does. Yeah, I suppose so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <clears throat> considering what that tells you about, if you told me the title, there's no fucking way I've put those No, but it at least has one of the two. Shawshank Redemption essentially did neither. Yeah, I know. Like, there's people who have filmed butter, and they explain at the time, like, no one really was going out of their way to go and see this. And ultimately, once people are telling them the, the, the classic uh, rental release, you pass it on, and it works a charm. Uh, Bob Gunton, who played Warden Norton, said by the 10th anniversary in 2004, he was still earning six-figure residual payments. And a further 10 years later, he was still earning a significant amount. Jeez. Fair enough. And it's the, the TV life. Yeah. This I is guess. the other one. We did it last week as well. But this was one that was over it. Over it. This was massive on ITV for fucking ages. Well, it was, it was so cheap. Now, yeah. I'm going to really simplify this. But the guy that sold the rights there was some controversy because he essentially sold it to a company that he had involvement in for a really cheap price and it was almost like you could have a tv channel just showing this 24 7 like 
after a month of it being on TV, people weren't telling each other Shawshank's on tonight because I guess it was like Tokyo Drift first now or Green Street that was just on ITV4 constantly. constantly. Yeah, you can see that. Tokyo yeah. Drift was on fucking all the time. The, the second Austin there, Powers was always on uh, ITV2. Yeah, you just why don't you pay for it? It's like Scarface for for years was always yeah. on ITV4. It was just like because they'd obviously paid for it, and they were like, "We'll just we our contract is X." Whatever that on. Danny Dyer zombie one that was always on Film Four, like constantly. Dog well, that's the one. Yeah, I was gonna say Severance, which nothing to do with it clearly, but yeah, that was always on as well. I actually uh, I used to be a big fan of <laughs> that. doesn't shock me. Oh, it's easy watch, isn't it? It's quite, it's, quite, it's quite funny in places, to be fair. Now, the question I did tell you before that I didn't think you would like, Keenan, um, is something to do with the theme of the film and the driving theme that goes through it. Now, I'm not going to read you through the fan theories and all of this where people think there's like a religious subtext to this and all sorts, but hope i don't know if you disagree is clearly the main theme that runs throughout the entire film yeah i mean it's like right from the start in the yard red tells andy let me tell you something my friend hope is a dangerous thing hope can drive a man insane at the dining table andy says forget that there are places in this world that aren't made out of stone that there's something inside that they can't get to, that they can't touch, and that's yours. Red asks, what are you talking about? And he says, hope. In Andy's letter to Red, he says, remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Even the last line of the film is Red saying uh, that he can barely sit still. Uh, I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. I hope. And so you've just got that the whole way through. That that's why the real key part of the film is when uh, Tommy's killed off, and that's supposed to be the hope and all hope that Andy has dying with it. Yeah. Tim Robbins said that he sees this as a platonic love story between two men. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And that's why, yeah, as I said. Tommy ultimately getting killed is rough. A question that I have here, and I'll ask you first, Sean. When Tommy gets killed, that is a big thing for us because it shows us the true nature of the warden as if we didn't know it already, but it just shows us like that he's another level of evil. Does it add anything to Andy's character in us now knowing he's innocent? Like if this whole section is removed and we just have to take his word for the fact that he didn't kill his wife, do we care any more or less about whether he gets to safety? Hmm. That's a tough one. I think there's regard I mean, regardless, we're already bought we're already bought in, we're already rooting for him, aren't we? So Exactly. Um I dunno, I think so my answer would probably be no, but I think that it's one of the cases where if the film went a different way, so say, for example, if he, he didn't get out or he died, then maybe you feel more sad uh, than, than yeah, if, if you didn't know, if you, you know, assumed he was guilty. But I don't think it actually dramatically or drastically affects 
what our uh, what our thoughts are, knowing that he is uh, he is innocent. Heenan, the two storylines that essentially take us outside of the four walls of the prison are that this story was told in a separate prison that Andy may be innocent, and it's what happens to Brooks after he leaves the prison. If you had to sacrifice one of those two storylines to trim down the runtime of the film, which do you think it uh, maintains how it's received by everyone and what do you think ensures that it's still received as one of the best films? And you keep the Brooks you keep the Brooks storyline, mate. And you take out Andy's exactly kind that. of mental exoneration, I guess. Yeah. I think you have to, now. If you do it I don't know. I think if you do it the other way around you lose the Brooks and he I you know he's in in prison, he's he's in it somewhat sparingly in a fairly long film. But he brings warmth to the prison, doesn't it? So if you take yeah. that away, the prison's a little bit colder. You've got Andy maintaining his innocence, but mate, oh no, I don't know. And it's a real thing, if isn't you, it? If you take Sorry. it away and the prison's a colder place, is it more important that you find out he's actually in, he's actually innocent? because so, uh, you lose a scene between you lose a scene between him and Red as well. Like I say, if the prison becomes colder, is it more important then? To not keep you engaged, but do your feelings for him intensify if it is a colder place, and you you're then desperate for like desperate for him to get out, or even more desperate for him to get out, and then you find out he's innocent, it ratchets up another notch. I I think the Andy scene is is um is sorry I think that the Tommy scene is more sacrificial, in that we have so many films, don't we, about prisons and. This is the first one that's really tackled the idea of what life can be like when you leave. And it's not just life's a party once you get out of uh, those gates. Because often if it's someone has trouble afterwards, it's ultimately the, the life of crime. My life is catching up with me. Whereas this isn't. This is just that he's so he's unaware of this world. There were some scenes they deleted, and they obviously did have to delete plenty of scenes to keep this runtime down further. But there were some other scenes of him just struggling to adjust. Um, and it's him looking at the fashion that women are wearing now and not quite understanding it, and the cars and all of these other things, and just everything in this world that no one's explaining to him because he's been in since what, 1905? Yeah. And yeah. the world just isn't what he knows anymore and so as he says and he's crying that he's better off behind bars Mm. um the ending in particular now the original cut of this film before it went out for release showed the chunk of the wall coming out when andy first goes to carve his name an editing decision was made late on to cut early and save the reveal for the conclusion of the film Last to be one of the the best decisions, probably in film history, when you look at how the film's received now. Because if we know from half an hour into the film that he's tunneling his way out, it's a completely different ending. It doesn't hit the same. No. Probably not. Do you think that we... There's already enough of an assumption 
an idea, this belief that he is innocent already? Do you think we believe he's innocent without actually knowing? Now, Sean, you've shown yourself up here. I know you've gone away and done something. <laughs> we're on a different conversation. <laughs> I went. For, I, I thought I could get away with it. I went for it. I went for a a little loo break. Did you go for a shit mid pod? No, nah, not that would have been a lot longer. I'll repeat it, and I know hopefully people at home are cursing you. <laughs> Originally, at the start of the film, when he uses his pickaxe to write his name on the wall, when we see the reveal at the end, where the chunk of the wall comes out, that was initially going to be at the start of the film, so you were going to see that chunk come out early doors, and we'd have then known for the duration of the film that he was tunnelling his way out, rather than get the reveal at the end when we question whether he's hung himself. Yeah. So the decision they made early on to take that out is one of the best decisions they could have ever made. Yeah, definitely. Because the warden thinks he's broken Andy Keenan. Um, He says, you'll think you've been fucked by a train, which I don't know if that's a metaphorical train or he's asking for a train to be run on Andy. I don't know which one. Um, and the library gone, sealed off brick by brick. We'll have us a little book barbecue, which was really going old school. Um, they'll see the flames for miles. We'll dance around it like wild engines. You understand me catching my drift or am I being obtuse? And then he gives him another month to think about it. He's really convinced that he's just ground him down and ground him down and ground him down. And he's got him shining his shoes. He's got him doing his washing, cooking his books. And the whole time he's just plotting this escape. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, he does, doesn't he? I mean, he acts, he plays the broken man very, very well, doesn't he? Very well. Both, uh, both Tim Robbins and the character in fairness. Yeah, so I've seen it pointed out the Tom Cruise casting would have been very different, mainly because of the size difference between the warden and Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise is quite a big bloke, isn't he? The opposite. Tom Cruise is tiny. Is he? Yeah. T- sorry, Tom Hanks. I had in my head. My yeah. Apologies. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Um. Sorry. So he'd have been looking like a, a kid in his yeah, dad's yeah. clothes if he was wearing some six foot four bloke bloke suit. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say Tom. Yeah. Tom. When I like he's bigger. I think Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks. Sorry, he's six foot plus. He's got a fair size. Yeah, we he's got two. A lot stockier than the warden, isn't he? Yeah, we're dealing with two tall blokes in like I think both Tim Robbins and Vince Vaughn are both about six five. It's pretty insane. Yeah. And so <laughs> Tom Cruise would have been, yeah, wouldn't have uh, quite looked the part. The whole thing of you don't look at a man's shoes. I just know there's a whole generation of people that oh. used to do those tweets of I I make shoe contact before I make eye contact. You must have remembered those awful tweets, Sean. <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> I make a shoe compact. This was a genuine or... thing, Keenan. I don't understand. When you look there at were people, shoes, there was a whole this like, trainer, sneaker, Twitter and all of this where they claim they look at someone's trainers before they look at them in the eye to judge them. <laughs> and so Andy Dufresne's entire cover would have been blown. Okay. Cool. Um, You're not on the streets like me and Sean are, clearly. No. 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 Now, 
Frank Darabont preferred to end the film with Red just searching for Andy. He said if he'd been able to shoot the ending he wanted, the closing shot would have been Red on the bus heading for the field and we'd have his voiceover of I hope I can find my friend. He wanted it to end openly on an ambiguous note, but the studio insisted on a reunion between the two to please audiences. So instead of showing us a teary reunion, the film observes it from a distance and that was his compromise. Would you have been happy with the ending if it's him on the bus hoping he gets across the border to go and see his friend? No. I think not. <laughs> I think we'd have been okay with that. I genuinely would have been heartbroken. I'm sitting through this. <laughs> I'm fucking devastated, mate. What do you reckon, Sean? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, probably not as strongly as Keenan is, but it would it would be a bit annoying not getting that final payoff. So that's why he doesn't give us it from close range. Do we think Andy has his hotel set up or just the boat? Just the boat. I'll be honest, it it still pisses me off that I don't get a little hope. You do, you see it from a distance. Yeah, but not properly. Come on now. No, you don't get slow motion running towards each other. I don't don't quite need that, but I mean, Red's about 87 years of age at this point. I don't need him running in sand. And he does well not to age when he's in prison, doesn't he? Yeah, he does very well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, would, I, I would have taken a close-up shot. Just a little antic. Yeah, that would have been, it would have been nice. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, couple of quest, other trivia kind of questions to ask you. Um, who's the real star of this film? Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Do you agree, Sean? The, the voiceover gives you that. Yeah, yeah. Red. Would it have worked if we had an A-list actor in Andy's shoes? I think that depend, very much depends on the actor, mate. If I offer you Tom Hanks, do you do you take the risk? <sighs> could could he improve think... the film enough that you'd be willing to take the risk? No. But I do think he does. He would have done a very, very good job at this. He's got that. Like, I was going to say stern, while sympathetic face, still hasn't he? There's, there aren't very yeah. many actors that. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, he, 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 he don't. It's not as though he turns it down. It's not Will Smith or Wild Wild West like. No, I feel no. bad because even twenty years later, that's still. <laughs> when you talk about he's talking about blunders. That's still the one that I reach for. But what's, what's that one again? He turned down the turned Matrix. Down the chance, the Matrix to do Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh, oh God, that is brutal. Yeah, like twenty three years later on, I'm still referencing it, and I'm not the only person to do so. Like, he does turn it down for Forrest Gump, right? So it's not <laughs> he hardly loses out. But I don't know. I do really like Tim Robbins in this, but unfortunately, he's just he just ends Tom Hanks, does he? No. Um, when Andy goes to the library to begin his work as uh, Brooks' assistant and Brooks's crow is squawking, Tim Robbins had to try and time his line, hey, Jake, where's Brooks? Because they obviously couldn't train the crow and the crow would squawk over him. And so Darabont says that was the most impressive thing of the entire set was uh, him managing to time his line together imperfectly. Fair enough. A couple of 
Sorry. No, no, don't worry. You go. A couple of difficult questions for you. Does Andy resent Red for not helping him with the sisters, or does he let it slide that they weren't friends enough at this point, or you just don't get involved in other people's business in prison? I think once he's probably resents him, probably resents him a bit at the start, like, if you can tell, we're, we're okay. I think as he grows more accustomed to prison, prison life, he also happens to become friendlier with, with, with Red, but I think he probably probably comes to learn because you can't tell me he was running around trying to solve everyone else's problem. No. So you, you get to know, don't you? And in terms of these mastermind schemes that we've done in this bracket alone, where does this one rank from Dufresne? If I offer you the following: Donnie in Den of Thieves, John Doe in Seven, Dom Toretto in Fast Five, <laughs> Danny Ocean in Ocean's Eleven, Veronica in Widows. Doug McRae in the town or John Brennan in the next three days, which do you think is the best scheme and which one was the most difficult to pull off? You've given me far too many options there. I've literally forgotten. Do what? I thought one may have jumped out to you. Uh, all right. Well, no, wait, I'll, I'll go through them and you just tell me more or less difficult for Andy Dufresne's scheme or which was the better you choose okay donnie in den of thieves are you ranking the mastermind scheme from andy or donnie higher donnie donnie because it's because of technology does he have as much hard work to do i mean he's got mastermind multiple bank robberies and then get away with it i'm convinced both the police and his gang He's a dickhead. John Doe in seven. Um, you you've got to say that's that's harder, surely. I agree. Quite, he's got to quit, commit quite a few murders to put himself <laughs> in exactly that place. Uh, Dom Toretto in Fast Five. Which one's that? Well, they're, they're in, uh, they're in Steal a safe from <laughs> the police station. John, uh, it's less. Just it's fucking ludicrous. Probably Danny Ocean in Ocean's say. Eleven. Way harder. Trying to rob three casinos at once. That wanna... is, I was going to say that the only thing with that is like that is harder, but he he's not on his own. Like he has got the support of ten other people. So he's yeah. trying to rob three casinos, man. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's but he's not like he doesn't. He's he is the mastermind, but well, there you go. You, answer, you answered your point, didn't you? Yeah, but I think I'm sure on this one, to be honest. You would be. Uh, Veronica and Widows. Similar, similar thing to Donnie, isn't it? No, Veronica and Widows. They ultimately turn up at the front door, <laughs> let themselves in, and go to the safe. No, no, I'm not saying it's out of it. It's just, you know, it's the robbery, the bank robbery again. Uh, I'll give it Andy. Doug McRae in the town. For the same reasons, for Scott Gold to the frame. And John Brennan in the next three days. He's trying to break yourself out of prison harder than trying to break someone else out of. Next question. Uh, 
Well, he makes his look pretty easy. Like, he uses it, what's he have, a car and a tennis ball? Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a bump key. Just so like, yeah, there you go. I think I'll give it to Andy there. Yeah, the, I suppose for Andy, the, obviously tunneling him out. I was proud to say, yeah, all he's got to do is break through the wall. Um, the tunneling part, not getting caught is difficult, but it's actually, it's, it's like the easiest part. He's then got to do the rest of it. Through most, shit and... The most difficult part may be the blue tacking the poster back up from the other side without ruining it every time. That's fair point. What happens if he doesn't get the end cell? Stephen King. He's I, just I, stuck I, there I, for the rest of his days. What, if he just tunnels to the left and he ends up in some, some poor bloke's cell? Yeah, like, if he... I mean, he surely doesn't even try it, because he knows. Well, yeah, you'd have to assume so, right? So, gets very lucky, or that was all part of his mastermind plan. Or he realised he had the end cell and then started plotting it. Uh, what's the plan if he doesn't get a thunderstorm? Does he wait for one? Is he in an area where thunderstorms are prevalent? So he because knows it's just a matter of time. Even if he gets a weather report, he is banking on the fact that it's not changing. Like he doesn't have the iPhone app, which is also pretty rough, rough anyway. Like he's all in by the point that he has to wait and hope that storm comes. Uh, I suppose he's not quite a physical go bag, but he's essentially a go bag stage and he's always ready. Once he's ready, he's always ready. A couple of other ones. Can he make it through that tunnel without just passing out with how disgraceful that smell is? I don't know. Would you pass out? I don't know. Five football fields worth of sewage. I've got to think the fumes do some serious damage to you. You'd imagine so, but I don't know. Do you think, are you are you getting down there by and thinking like... <laughs> I might stay in prison. I'm banging back. No, because I, I've got to think that, that these cheeks are prime real estate in prison, Sean. I'm going to be needing to get myself out of there. And if <laughs> I've been in there, what, 20 years at that point, it's get out at all costs. The bigger issue would be hoping the warden's suit fits me. <laughs> Does a good job crawling out of it, though. Fair play. Um, I remember trying to, in Ballyhoo, trying to crawl up the black slide. And that was hard work enough. Let alone this. I wouldn't mind to go back at Ballyhoo. Really? Fucking hell, bro. That'd be great. I mean, if, if as long as I fit down the slides. I wasn't where I was going with it, by the way. That was too cheap. Think about it. Like... Don't have the stamina these days. Not just that, but do you remember, like, it's, like it's, it was fucking tiny. Saw like, some asshole in the ball pit. Like, there's, there's about 75% of it. My, my knees and back just wouldn't allow me to bend down <laughs> that belt. So, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just looking for any of my notes that I wrote down that I've not mentioned yet. I took a, a <laughs> I actually paused the film to take a note. When the guard tells him that he's going to go and pinch a loaf. That has to be the first time in film history that's happened. Uh, I thought, yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> Sensational. And lastly, 
I've seen this mentioned elsewhere. How funny was Andy that they can sit around the table and have all these conversations about him? Like Red makes a point that every so often they'll just sit around and tell Andy stories. But for the most got, part, he he does just keep pretty quiet. Yeah. But I mean, even then, you've still got 20 years worth. Yeah. There's some bits we haven't seen. Is I mean, You've still got 20 years worth of material, mate. It's not... Is there anyone you like enough that you think you could sit and have, th- what, three meals a day with them for 20 years <laughs> and not move tables? Yeah, there's a few people. Christ, what does that say about your feelings for your mates? Yeah, again, these... these 20 years? Well, what else are you going to do? Hang on, so if, if let's, theoretically, right, me, you and Keenan uh, are, are locked up, we're in Shawshank <laughs> for 20 years... Say you've got three, five, we're all sat to each other. Are you just getting to a point where you're like, can't sit with those two anymore? And you no. go sit with some randomers. If I think I'm being victimised in prison, Sean, I'm near certain you are. So I'm thinking we split up because we don't want to be easy targets and we group together. <laughs> Secondly, say, say we get say we get to the point where you're not being victimised. You, you're not not quite the boys, but everyone likes you. Like, it's like in this, you ain't seeing them running rackets, but buy them ready, sell them. Well, seemingly they get rid of these sisters and everyone's. Everyone's happy with each other. Yeah. So every now and then, would you not mix up with it? No, if you're my boy, you're my boy. <laughs> it's, it's not a difficult question. I, I feel like you're being really disrespectful, but you do, yeah. I think if we... So you're saying me, me, you shoot, right? We're in jail. What are you going to do? Go and join a prison gang? Well, I'll ask you the same question. Do you think you could have three meals a day with me for 20 years? I didn't expect you to give that answer, so maybe I'll change mine. Maybe. I'll be honest, mine was a complete and outright <laughs> lie, but <laughs> I think she's making a point. Put you in a, I put you in a spot. Well, oh, yeah, I, I think I, I, those are kind of different questions, aren't they? Like, you're not yeah. choosing right now as a free person to go and have... Yeah, she sure makes a good point. If we're in, if we're in the jail, <laughs> you, your options are somewhat limited. Yeah, fair. If you're the best of the bad bunch, then I'll just have to take it. <laughs> what's <laughs> last? What's the first thing you asked Red to smuggle in for you? No. Decent pillow. That'd be up there. Because I mean, like more big comforts. My big comforts in life are one of them is cigarettes. I mean, it's, it's about 30% of the film is someone just banging, like, just banging a fag. Morgan Freeman never smokes once in this film. It's one of the only characters who don't. Exactly. Um, a few beers sounds wrong, but I mean, that would probably be high up on the list. I'll t- say, uh, I was going to say not to sound piggish, but once a week we do say this. Would you get involved in the pig pulls, the betting of who would break first of the new inmates? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, I'll shoot all over it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that's one beer. One beer. You've been around this podcast for two and a bit years. That's the fastest answer you've ever got from me. Imagine if you were, imagine if you like got on an acker and you're like, <laughs> the next like four and then. Got on the TriCast. Like, that's yeah. one, two, three. <laughs> You don't, you don't want the uh, 
the early kickoff to screw you as well, the early intake. Yeah, I mean, wonder if they were giving out reverse forecasts <laughs> any order. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, the answer to that is probably, yeah. And any other scenes that you would pin down as your favourite of the film? Do you like it when he breaks, when he holds up the library? And he just sits and listens and the music goes over. Again, it's a, it's a very similar, it's a very similar setup to the prison roof scene. I do like their first meeting um, yep. as well. I do, do really like that. You've got to have some reputation, by the way, if within your first 24 hours, someone has already told you that guy there can get you things. Yeah. Also, shows what a guy is, because if that's his reputation, I feel like he could definitely be charging more on this. You don't ever put a lot of, lot of pressure on Andy, does he? No. Like, Even gets him some him. gifts. Yeah. Be right into him. Sean, whose poster are you getting up on the wall? Oh. Not Hay- if it's not Hayworth. What you going for? You're getting a Hayworth poster up on the wall? No, I said if not Hayworth, who do I go for? For some random reason, the only person's... The name in my head at the moment is Lisa Scott Lee. <laughs> don't know why. I thought you were going to go prime Kelly Brook, uh, an enemy on this podcast for her acting skills, but an enemy. Well, we usually oh, just use her as a reference of bad acting. I asked Keenan if we could do Piranha Three Double D for episode uh, one hundred and fifty, but he declined. He actually gave a better reaction to Jack and Jill. Oh, I really don't want to do that. Well, I thought we had a plan for one fifty. Well, we, we, I think we think we do, but we just won't do it. We won't say it now. Uh, for any Anna, Anna Kendrick, a bit more humble. Oh. We'll remind you at home. Jesus. I want to be disrespectful here. I feel like that's a waste of a poster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no way to say that without being disrespectful. I'll sooner get Leslie a Leslie Mann poster. Remind me of the good old days. Old, if you're declining into your old age, you are becoming a bit to be honest. Jessica Alba in Good Luck Chuck. Put that on a poster. We'll take that in my cell. I'll be honest, Matt, the last thing I want to think about is you in a prison cell. I also don't ever want the words to leave my mouth again that I'll take that into my cell. And I only thought of that as the words left my mouth, so... Up on the wall, we'll use instead. Someone could say something just to relieve me of this moment. I really enjoyed it. Do you think that is uh, the point of which uh, may have been the best looking person on the planet? Peak Jessica Elba. But anyway, did I ask you, Keenan, who you who you putting up on the wall? I'm going to be a great shout. I feel like you're infringing on my territory there. Probably the most ludicrous thing you've ever said. I'm not sure, but... <laughs> no, you're right. It's not, but it's up there. <laughs> yeah, now, Sean, are you sticking around for our second film of the day, or are you bouncing? No, I'll, I'll bounce as I haven't, as I haven't watched. All right, well, 
Adios. Well, I look forward. I look forward to listening to the second half and seeing the results. There we go. Always good, always good to hear your voice. It is Tienan. It is. He doesn't even say that to TK when he's on here, so you're getting real special treatment here. Yeah? <laughs> it's four treaties to have our time on the pod. Unbelievable. Right, well, familiarity breeds contempt, mate. I think we've discovered. <laughs> I'm a caged bird, so you don't have to worry about me flying away, Keenan. No, we're locked. We're locked in forever, my man. Well, Starsky and Hutch is our second film of the day. When Starsky and Hutch go deep undercover. What do you think? Oh, I love it. It's not what they do. That's a fake mustache. It's how they do it. Do it. All right. We're doing little voices undercover. Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Starsky and Hutch. Bacardi and Cola, do it, do it. What was that? You just stole my voice. No, I didn't. Ready PG-13, directed by Todd Phillips. Starts March Two streetwise cops bust criminals in their red and white Ford Gran Torino with the help of a police snitch called Huggy Bear. Now that's quite the description, even if you don't know anything about Starsky and Hutch. What do you think the critics think of this is an interesting one? Five out of ten. The film is as clever as it is silly more warm-hearted than sentimental, and just as irreverent as it is nostalgic. Todd Phillips strikes nostalgic gold, squeezing just enough comedy out of the buddy cop formula to keep it afloat during its brisk 95-minute runtime. I'd actually forgotten it was Todd Phillips until I saw The Wedding Band. I uh, was just going to say the exact same thing to you. (laughs) So good. I always forget this is Todd Phillips. Uh... It's probably, to be fair, you can see the uplift in his budgets at the time and then you can probably see the decline in them after before he gets to the hangover. This is what, him being rewarded for the, for the success of old school, you've got to think? Yeah, and I think this is, I've said this, Joe, like, as comedy skull, I love this film. <laughs> I really do. Like, I think it's really, really underrated. I think it's so funny for art. Well, we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, The film takes a bad but beloved 1970s TV series and transforms it into an experience of almost transcendent silliness. I assume you're much like me. You knew absolutely zero about the original TV show. Yeah, pretty much. I just knew what it was. I knew they had the car. I remember seeing the trailers at the time on TV and liking the look of it while knowing there was no way I had of seeing it because we were in year five at school. Um, yeah. Part of the reason this film succeeds is because it manages to be both as affectionate, both an affectionate Mickey take of the television show, as well as glorifying everything that was cool about the era. That's Fine. a British reviewer, by the way. <laughs> the worst thing about Starsky and Hutch is how devoid of actual jokes the movie is. It's all premise, no substance. That's just—I think that's, that's actually just wrong. I thought what was important actually was to look in the film wasn't received well for the most part at least in the box office Um, this was a really tough year to release a comedy I'll give you the quick run through I mean varying levels of success but you can see the competition here Napoleon Dynamite, The Girl Next Door Dodgeball, Mean Girls, Without a Paddle White Chicks, Anchorman, Team America Euro Trip, 
Harold and Kumar, 51st Dates, Employee of the Month, Shaun of the Dead, 13 Going on 30, Shrek 2, Kung Fu Hustle, and so many more. There's some big hitters in that one. That's a busy time to be releasing a comedy. Uh, Will Ferrell. It, it's funny how, how they interwine as well, some of those. Well, they, they interlock with this. There's a theory people have that at this point, people were just sick of Ben Stiller. In 2004 alone, he released Along Came Polly, Dodgeball, Starsky and Hutch, Meet the Fockers, Envy, three episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he was in Anchorman. People may have just had enough of him. I mean, he is in Anchorman, but he's in it for about 45 seconds, so I'll give it a Yeah, I'll, I'll just include, I mean, yeah. that's, that's still, that's more films than some people will do in four or five years. Like, and he continues he continues that work rate right through till about 2008. The only mm-hmm. other person I think that's releasing similar amounts but not he's still not quite the same is Adam Sandler. Yeah, he's better than And you can correct me if I'm wrong here. We always say an Adam Sandler film has that portion of people that are just going to watch any Adam Sandler film. He has a fan base where yeah. we can describe it as that's an Adam Sandler film. I don't think Ben Stiller has that. And so... I don't know. He was... He was you forget, he was big. He was, he was. He was huge. I just mean... like There's quite the variety there. Uh, there's similarities between his character in Dodgeball and Starsky and Hutch in just the eccentricity of it. And it's mm. the same for Zoolander. There's also a yeah. thing where a certain amount of people saw Zoolander and hated it that much. They don't want to see anything to do with Ben Stiller. Oh, it's okay. Zoolander. I thought you might. <laughs> but that's a thing where people, if it looks like he's doing anything similar to that, yeah. it's like if you didn't like Borat, you weren't going to go and watch Bruno. Yeah, very true. And I don't know how much that was, but... There's just... I watched this. Well, I, I said that I, I remembered literally nothing. I watched this on the plane going over to America and I had no clue what was going on. I wouldn't have even known what cocaine was at this point. The whole no, thing, I, I would have just... All I would have known, essentially, was that the car looked cool and I probably laughed at Will Ferrell's jokes in this. But that was really all I knew. I just remember enjoying it enough that as time went on and I would hear people saying what a bomb it was, I didn't remember it that way. And so I was quite surprised. Yeah, I know. I, like, I'm aware that no one... I, I, like, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. There is, a, there is actually a chance that I'm this film's number one fan. I think that says more about the general reaction to that. As much as I do, I do love this. I do think it's incredibly underrated. I always I just, I think it's just, I think it's quite charming, and it's it makes me laugh the whole way through. I always try and read the like message boards of the time, and even just after, just to see how long the conversation has gone on for this film. And there is a common theme in which everyone that goes online essentially to scream from the rooftops that they like this film says, "I'm probably the only person that's going to say this." But maybe there is a community though. Where so it's just supposed to be so that. small where everyone that does like it is saying to their mates and they're going either I've not seen it or that was shit. Yeah, yeah. I think Rory, I, I think I've got a funny thing Rory likes this film, but that's about it. 
<laughs> I did ask him if he wanted to be on here today, but he declined. Um, yeah, I, I think he does, but that's about the sum total of it of people that I know. TK right. likes it, but he couldn't. We, we've got to do another podcast tomorrow, so I think he was. That'll be three for him this week, but three for me, but I'm an exception. <laughs> you love it, though. I'm an exception to the rule. Yeah. Ben Stiller in this, his character is probably third on a scale of eccentricity with this um, dodgeball and Zoolander. Zoolander's like as out there as you could possibly be. Dodgeball is probably the perfect level and this is slightly more low-key but he's still got the hands going and all of these kinds of things. He's very good in... I was going to say when he doesn't have to do much acting but I think he's great in Walter Mitty. So, I have seen it, sorry, we did it for the pop now. Yeah. I, think, I haven't seen it, but no great memory of it. I think he's great in which he really has to commit to the role. And in this, he does kind of have to leave his head at the door almost and just dive completely in with this. And I think that's when he's at yeah. his best. Yeah, you have to be... Um, yeah, I think you have to. Like, to be... Because he's... It's weird. It's both. I don't, it's, it's somehow it, at certain points it's intentionally trying to be unintentionally funny, and that makes zero sense. But I think I like, get what you mean. He has to be uptight. Like it's not always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not always played for a joke. But that is not played for a joke. Then it makes it funny. Yeah, I think and then the, the real, times where it is played for a joke are very good. Are, are been very good. The, the real beauty of the film is its simplicity. Like the in jokes are there for the fans of the show, but it's not too inny to kind of alienate other viewers. The plot is easy. Vince Vaughn's a big time coke dealer. Skarsky and Hutch go from person to person to try and catch him. And essentially, it's like when you would have to go into one of the gyms in Pokemon and you have to beat like three trainers before you can get to the main boss. Essentially here, you go from side character to side character. They riff off jokes about whichever separate quirk there is for each side character. And then you move on to the next until you get to the big boss, Vince Vaughn. You have your fun with him. You've got your set piece with the car. Jobs are good in. Yeah. Like you've got Huggy's henchman who knows just way too much about Iguana, so he just keeps giving so, you the... This is, this sounds actually what how I learned what a terrarium is. <laughs> it is very good. Um, Will Ferrell with his thing for dragons and belly buttons. Yeah, great scene, by the way, in the prison, and when you see it on camera afterwards. Yeah, him describing uh, Owen Wilson's belly button as... That's nice. It's like a little bowl of oatmeal with a hole in it. I got one too. I just got a little more brown sugar on mine. Yeah. Starsky picks a fight with Dancing Rick. Yep. Great scene. Who he definitely beats. He does beat him. <laughs> he was robbed. He was robbed. You've got the yeah, cheer. Go I, I mean, I will say he has to come down from he has to come down from that kit very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> he's having a rough old time of it by the end of the night. To be fair, he's pouring in. Like, yeah, 
I mean, his heart must, his, his heart rate, his, his you imagine what, heart like, rate after that must have been about 160. Well, yeah, if you imagine, if you, if the police started in future saying that someone had a certain amount of teaspoons of Coke on them, mm. if you heard that someone had, like, four teaspoons of Coke, which is what he puts in his tea multiple times, you'd think that's quite a lot. It is quite a lot, yeah. And he's just whacking it out in this bag that must be about six grams. It's a fucking big old bit. <laughs> bit the next morning where he's like, yeah, I'm sure, Amber sure, Holly sure. Um, it, uh, it, it, it does kill me. Well, the cheerleaders, Amy Smart and Carmen and Electra, who really do highlight this being 2004, I've mm. got to think Jessica Simpson is in this if she isn't doing Employee of the Month at the time. There's every chance. There's every chance. It's it's very much in there. Two thousand and four. Holly Valance is trying to do a pop career. Go on, sorry. When you um, when you said that about employed a month in two thousand and four, yeah. I always thought that was a little bit later. Strangely. Well, I essentially looked at a list of two thousand and four comedies earlier, so yeah, I no, saw no, that. I, take, I think you. I'd seen you right. Maybe later over here. Two thousand six, strangely. Because Dukes of Hazard is a year later. Yeah. Which probably is largely due to hearing this is happening and so you just go down the list of what's the next retro TV yeah. show we can do. Yeah. Uh, also, don't hate that. Uh, no, no, I mean, I liked it at the time. Yeah, it's a very similar mould to this. Well, that was essentially sold on look how fit Jessica Simpson is and everything else was just kind of added in around the sides. Yeah, Chuck Burt Reynolds in it, which people were a big fan of at the time. Yeah, I remember she, she recorded a song for it as well. Which uh, I'm sure... Of, uh, Dusty Springfield, these, right? These boots are made for walking, yeah. Which yeah. I'm sure was solely just constantly on music channels because of what a great song it was. I mean, just look at this. Sean William Scott and Johnny Knoxville in the lead roles is like, that's another Very one where it's like, yeah. I know exactly what part of time this is in. Yeah, absolutely. Knoxville, to be fair, he carved out a career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he did. He did pretty well for himself, in fairness. The other... Well, that's like, you know when people talk about Mayweather or, or even McGregor now in the UFC. It's like, look, they made their money and it's the love of this while they still come back. The fact that Johnny Knoxville is still willing to be impaled by a bull. It's like the purists are like, that's for the love of that this is. He doesn't need to do this anymore. He's got the love for the game. Yeah. You or still need to watch Jackass forever. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Do you not like the Jackass films? I don't hate them. You're a bit squeamish, aren't you? No, I just don't feel I go out of my way to watch them these days. You don't want someone having their nuts pogo sticked? Not particularly. <laughs> um, yeah, you've also got the other cheerleader in this film who strips down completely naked. Owen Wilson looks like, as much as he can say he's acting, he is genuinely loving this moment. When she yeah, said, I'm well, sorry, I couldn't be more helpful. And he's like, don't do that. You've been great. It's been terrific. Ben still is asking her, wait, I'm not to ask any more questions. So that, 115, that 115. Well, I don't really see why this is relevant. This is entirely relevant. Just to answer the questions. 
and then when they run out of new characters, they create their own. Yeah. Maury Finkel, the founder of Finkel Fixtures, the biggest lighting fixture chain in the Southland. Yeah. Come on, Bacardi and Coke, do it. Do it. Do it. Bacardi and Coke, do it. <laughs> it's when um, Hutch says it afterwards and he's telling him to get your own voice. Yeah. <laughs> don't copy my character. When he's talking about his wig work, you don't have a wig, guy. He's the best. <laughs> The, something that I guess was an in-joke as well that we wouldn't have picked up on at the time. The song that Owen yeah, Will... David Soul sang it, mate. Yeah, who plays his character in the original. Oh, the listeners may not have. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe my favourite piece of trivia nice this little, uh, Nice little when they turn up at the end as well. Yeah, yeah. Originally, Todd Phillips wanted the knife-throwing scene to feature ninja stars but there was a rule in the UK that any scene featuring ninja stars would automatically get an 18 rating and so they changed it to knives oh okay I don't know the thinking Um, behind it I quite like how weird the rule is yeah I'm not sure don't I don't know to be honest and it was originally going to be Vince Vaughn that was going to play Hutch. Hmm. I don't know if Owen Wilson was in the film because Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller were, I think they've teamed up eight times. They're so you've got to think he was still going to be in it. They're, um, what do you call it? They're like actually just like real life best mates. That's why they've teamed up so many times. They're like the best of friends. Cool, that is. Um, that's like why he's in Zoolander and so on and so yeah. forth. And if we're adding in Owen Wilson just having the time of his life, eight to ten seconds of the three-way kiss had to be cut to secure a PG-13 rating. (laughs) So I don't know what the hell was going on in the additional ten seconds, but Owen Wilson was uh, making the most of his moment with uh, Carmen Electra. You can't can't say fairer than that, can you? Of, Of the people on set, even if we just narrow it down to Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, Jason Bateman. How many of them have had a pop at Carmen Electra? You are, you got to say Vince has. That was my first thought. He's about a year away from, from London, Aniston, so you imagine he's feeding himself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe we're going by movie characters. Maybe Owen Wilson does move for Amy Smart. Sees the attention Carmen Electra is getting and plays it tactical. Himself and is, is the nice guy. It does seem like some. He seems like some bloke, man. <laughs> I'd love to sit and have a beer with him. What Owen Wilson? Yeah, Vince. I feel still be too full on for me. The bird stories. Well, we also have heard about him ordering everything on the menu, which I think would probably be, do quite well for the two of us. Yeah, it'd be it'd be close be closer to to, to my wants really. And then, would you be too overwhelmed with the two of them? I'd probably cry. If it's them two and you. What a day that would be. That would be sensational. Yeah. <laughs> um, ben Stiller's character in this, probably, actually before that, the whole, the whole thing is with the car. 
he paid for himself to go to stunt driving school because he really wanted to be able to drive the car and do everything himself. They say he yeah. did well, but he still wasn't approved to do all of his driving stunts. I mean, I I definitely want to go. Wouldn't you? They weren't risking him to break one foot away from Owen Wilson. I'd rather be Ben Stone than Owen Wilson in that, uh, in that scenario. I was going to say the line that probably made me laugh the most from him is uh, when he says, it's 10 o'clock, you're late. I've been here since 8. And Hutch says, 8 o'clock, I didn't even know this place opened at 8. And he says, well, don't sweat it, because, you know, crime called in sick. He's going to get a late start too. Hutch, like, crime called in sick. I like that. Uh, I also like, uh, looks like you punched your last ticket. <laughs> he's talking about him, t- him, t- him tough talking to dead body. Right. <laughs> And he's like, anything in the wallet? He's like, yeah. Driver's license, couple of cards, no cash. <laughs> Definitely no cash. <laughs> when <laughs> Chow says, film. wait, there's really a bullet in the gun. And he's like, yes, I know. That's literally the point of Russian roulette. He's like, no, no, no. There's actually a bullet in the gun. And he's like, he's crazy. Shit goes off. Those two sitting and speaking Korea. Korean's quite funny. And they go the uh, Godfather route what? without the subtitles. Mm, I do like uh, I do like when he's like uh, you know you white boys all look the same to us <laughs> no, he's like, that's, that's funny you all look alike to us as well um, <laughs> Snoop Dogg's actually really good in this yeah I ain't never surprised Todd Phillips said he was finding a hard he was finding a really hard time trying to get a bluish 1976 Lincoln for Huggy Bear when he mm. told this to Snoop Dogg he was surprised to learn that Snoop Dogg actually owned a car of the right colour and so it's his car that's in the movie. They didn't buy one in. <laughs> Sound. <laughs> I also like uh, this. It's like the 70, 70, 76. That was 75. It was no, 76. It doesn't come out until next year, but I know some people who know some people who <laughs> rob yeah. some people. The little chat he has about grass. Yeah. As well, when they're playing golf. Don Cheadle and Chris Rock audition for the part. Don Cheadle, I like. Don't know about Chris Rock. Maybe a bit too full on. Snoop Dogg is just the perfect level of cool. Yeah. Second film as well in which he plays a police informant. Two seconds, mate. All right. My headphones have just died. Excuse me. I mean, you still sound clear enough, however you are now. Yeah. No, no. So I just needed to put my speaker on so oh. I could hear you. I got you. Got you. Yeah. Um, second film in which he plays a police informant as well. Training, We've done the other on the pocket. Yep, yeah, there you go. Yeah. He probably has a nicer time than having a pen shoved down his throat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where was it? Yeah, I had down on here the. It's pronounced bat mitzvah, isn't it? Because a couple of people say bar mitzvah, and that's when it's a male, and it's bat mitzvah when it's. Yeah. Female. Um, when the singer says, uh, rocking to womanhood, Elizabeth, we know that you will. I'm Vince, like, what's that supposed to mean? What, yeah. what is that supposed to mean? What do you mean by that? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the horse as well, and they just like that. What um, we've said on here before, and I can't, I can't remember what it was, where we were essentially just trying to cast Vince. And we said he, he would play a great bad guy. Mm-hmm. I even think he could play a good serious bad guy, but yeah, 
if you give me him in a kind of kingpin role where he can still be quite smug with it yeah he can still kind of divvy things out because i mean you can't even be physical if you want the guy's six five we saw in uh brawling cell block 99 that he can do that he can pack on it i mean he he runs around he must run around at a decent weight but like for that he 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 obviously packs on a bit doesn't he you've you've not seen that have you no no i haven't it's just him just kicking the shit out of people for about an hour and a half in just progressively more brutal ways Yeah. I mean, Mental, got... but good. Yeah, I'm just wondering. I mean, has he got anything? He's not really got a lot on the on the horizon. No, he did that uh, freaky one recently where yeah. he's a serial killer. But I've not seen it. I was, uh, was rated pretty horrendously. Yeah, it's where it's the body swap thing, right? Yeah, with Catherine Newton, who I referenced earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, he's not, not doesn't seem to be doing too much these days, strangely. Well, we were told two years ago that they were having their sit-down meetings to get Wedding Crashes 2 on the go. God, I hope that happens. Doesn't seem to be moving at any particular pace, does it? No, I know. I still want it, though. Yeah. To be honest, I'd I'd just love another. I'd love the, those two just to team up again. Well, I was going to ask you about this previously when we've spoken about the Owen Wilson Vince Vaughn double acts. We only include the internship and wedding crashes. Does this come anywhere near? Do we not include it because it's not them as a double act? Um, or are we desperate at that point where we kind of include this <laughs> in the collection? If you were putting together one of those little DVD box sets that you would get in like a Tesco, would you do a two disc or a three disc? So you do a three disc, this wedding crashes in the internship. Yeah, I think so. You're going in and out. You're not as clear as you were a second ago. Oh, sorry. There, now you're back. Uh, You're back. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd put it in. Um, yeah, I, I I think I would. It fits the tone of the films as well, doesn't it? I know it's yeah. different, but tone like this is a film about it's like I don't know. It's, this is just like the sit and smile all the way through this sort of thing. Same as I do with Wedding Crashes, almost like I could do the internship as well. How many drug dealers do you think were inspired by the coke that just smells different, so it isn't picked up by the dogs? Uh, I think a lot of them were probably inspired. But... It's quite an ingenious idea for a film, a film like this. This is like Dragon's yeah. Den level stuff. Yeah, um, I feel like the ability to do it, I sort of feel like if it could be done, it would have been done by now. If you bring this to the Dragons, does Deborah Mead invest? <laughs> Just call me, I'll give us a key and I'll tell you. Duncan's in. Duncan is in. <laughs> Bad sign just racking it up on table. <laughs> when he says... Uh... If this shit wasn't illegal, guys, we'd be up for the Nobel Prize. Yeah, probably right as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you imagine because I mean, probably gets rid of a lot of a uh, lot of smuggling problems, doesn't it? Not getting caught <laughs> out by dogs. Nothing to declares off TV, so I'm livid. Mm, yeah. That clip I sent you recently, by the way. 
What was? Oh, was it the one where they were just checking the dude for porn? <laughs> some yeah, some bloke, just... and he said, "Let me have a look for your laptop." And he's just in the middle of the airport flicking through his videos. That's when he's like, "Yeah, nothing's too weird on that." I'm sorry, okay. <laughs> Does he check? Like, cause they don't check every laptop, do they? No, they were basically suspicious of this guy because he'd gone back and forth from Thailand to Australia a couple of times. Okay. Did he ever give a reason for it? He just said that he was traveling and he met some girls when he was in Thailand, so we decided to go back and see him. (laughs) Wouldn't be the first. Uh, They were grilling him about why he spent so much money in Thailand, and he said, well, when you've got girls with you, you don't stay in these uh, hostels. No, it's probably the guy said, what do you mean? And he was like, I assume you've not gone travelling around Thailand with uh, girls. And he goes, well, no, to be fair, I haven't. <laughs> nice answer. Gives a decent answer, at least. What do you think is the best scene of the film? <sighs> best scene of the film. Big girl and the scene afterwards. Um... I do like their night out, but I suppose is it, that's probably two scenes. The pre, like the pre, then getting ready to go. Out and uh, it's like, oh, let's go down to him. Stars wants to go to a club. The pre, the pre with um, him saying, "Look, give it two minutes, then bring me my guitar, and yeah. then ask me to sing." And then when he brings it, oh no, you haven't. Take it away. Take it yeah. away. I tried and tested that. Um, I do like most of this. I like the end. The little end with Huggy turning up. Um, yeah, there's just a lot to like about this, mate. What yeah. about you? I th- either the first time they sit down with Huggy, right up yeah. from just before, when he says, what, have you never done an endeavour on work time before? He's like, no, I tend to use my time when I'm on the taxpayer's money to fight crime like you're supposed to. I'm not even for a coffee. And the whole thing with the iguanas in there shooting its tail off and him yeah. saying it's not comparable. Probably that, to be fair. Yeah. Or, fair. or the bat mitzvah. Yeah, it's very good. The damn band, I feel like they do just have a wonderful ability to uh, improve a comedy. Yeah, I've added some of their from, theirs from Spotify before because I was just listening to the one from the start of um, Old School. No, Old School. Is that what it is? Total Clips of the Heart? Yeah. What do yeah. they do in this? I can't even think. I can't think either. It's the fucking every now and then I fall apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's what Will right. Ferrell's like. What? Yeah, you're a big fan. Um, yeah, so probably that. The question I was going to ask you, if you're in Owen Wilson's position, I've fallen asleep, shall we say. You've been lucky with Carmen Electra and Amy Smart. Can you keep a straight face like Owen Wilson does in the morning? No. I'm fucking kicking, <laughs> kicking, you, kicking you in the head to tell you. I thought that was maybe the best example of character that he showed in the entire film. Yeah, Willis, great little side character as well. Yeah, I didn't know if in the if in the TV show there's just a little kitty ass on the side or not. I have no idea. Or if that's just, just a cool thing that they have in the film. Straight because the whole thing up. of him owing him twenty dollars. Yeah, twenty. I thought it was ten. Come on, hut. That's my <laughs> grandma. That's my grandma's birthday money. <laughs> <laughs> 
very good. Yeah. Anything else before we get into the categories? I don't believe so, my man. All right. Let me just get this up. I always open up the wrong one first. There we go. All right. Which one did you prefer? Uh, sure, shank, mate. Agree. Which do you think is more rewatchable? Uh, Starsky and Hutch, as I've seen it more times. I do also agree. Best moment slash scene? Um, it's the rooftop in Shawshank. I also agree. Bloody hell. Best quote? Um, I, t- I don't know. There's a few. Uh, I do like, come on, do it. I did say that for a lot of time after seeing this film. Um, how often do you look at a man's shoes? The one I laughed at the most was his, uh, I'm not supposed to be here, me neither, they run this like a fucking prison. Yeah, it's very good. But it'd probably be uh, the voiceover when they're on the roof. I do. I was going to say, I was just going to say the same. I was going to say Red's voiceover. I think that has to be your winner. MVP? Andy, right? Yeah, it has to be. Side character? Side character. I'm going to go Ergie Bear, but I feel like that's the wrong choice. Me actually, big, big Earl. I'm going Brooks. Yeah, Brooks is my other choice. Maybe Tommy. Who are you going for? My old Big Earl. Just because okay. he's fucking unbelievable. This is up there, by the way, as Will Ferrell cameos go, this is <laughs> up there with Chaz. <laughs> Blimey, that is some praise. It's not, it ain't quite Chaz, but you can't tell me it's not up there. Not fair. As cameos go, it's sensational. I think this could be a more difficult one. Which film has more believability? People have escaped from prison. Someone's yet to make a drug, a drug that can't be sniffed out by dogs or coke that can't be sniffed out have by they, dogs. Have they, over a course of 20 years, broken out with a little handheld pickaxe? I mean, I don't know enough about prison breakups, <laughs> but I assume some people have had to plan them for a little while. I'm making the case for Starsky and Hutch here. Okay, I'm going to say Shawshank. Prison life's tough. People become institutionalised and someone manages to escape every now and again. Which film has the best soundtrack? Starsky and Ooh. It's got a banger of a soundtrack, mate. I'm going to score on Shawshank. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not... I'm, essentially, I'm just not fancy enough for films that are scored. Give me a pop song. Originality. Um... Shawshank. Yeah, I agree. Your impact feels <laughs> an obvious one. Yeah, we can skip that if you want, or do you just want to say the unanimous answer? Yeah, Shawshank. Uh, yeah. Best opening scene? Uh, Starsky and Hutch, because I really like the opener. I'm going to go Shawshank. Yeah, fair. Best ending? Shawshank. Yeah. 
and best chemistry? Shawshank. Yeah, that's a tough one, but I do agree. So that's one. That's H1. <laughs> which is actually the same score as what we had the last time we did a film, uh, two films on the police prison segment of this bracket. So something in the water there. That was um, seven and whatever seven was against, I think. I think it was seven. I just got the eight one in front of me. But there we go. Next week, it's another long film as we are on to Casino against Boys in the Hood. So it's two long films, for the record. I've not seen Boys in the Hood to know. you never seen it? No. Okay, interesting. So... Big one next week for us to get into. Thank you for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. Later on in the week, probably tomorrow, there will be some extra episodes for the latest Arsenal All or Nothing episodes. Next Monday, we'll be back with a spitballing pod. And then, as I said, next Wednesday, most likely Wednesday or Thursday, there will be a release of Casino Against Boys in the Hoods. So thanks for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.